Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, Chasey Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-host, the godfather of lending, Mr. Paul Peebles, national underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Paulie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, JC. Weather is great here in Texas at the end of February here. And uh, we're looking forward to maybe a warm day coming down the path. But uh, I'm excited about this show. Uh, this is something that uh, I've wanted to probably put together for the last month or two. And, uh, and I think people are going to learn a ton of information about uh, our two guests. So yeah, absolutely, Polly. You, uh, you know, Polly. Today we are going to talk about something really uh, important for people out there that are just getting started, and that is the age-old question of how do you quickly determine whether a property is a good fit for you right off the gate? How do you quickly know with the financials whether you should throw it in the dumpster or really spend some more time underwriting the project and get into a lot more detail on it? And so today, what we're going to talk about is um, how to back of the napkin analyze an apartment property and three easy steps. And we have got the perfect pair of people here on the show today to talk about how we're going to do that. Now, you know, as I said, the real problem here that we're going to address today is, you know, anybody that's in the apartment uh, property buying business is going to see tens, if not hundreds of deals flying across their desk um, every week with brokers telling them that, that it's the greatest deal that they've ever seen. And all they've got to do is plop down a billion dollars to buy the property. And so what we're going to do today for all you listeners and viewers out there is we're going to cut through all of that chatter. And we're going to talk to a couple of experts can help you quickly analyze a deal before you spend too much time underwriting and know whether you should throw it in the trash can or whether you should really spend some cycles on it and figure out if it's a good deal or not. So Paul, that is what we're going to talk about today. So you said, um, a lot of interesting phrases. And so we have as guests on the show today, uh, two friends of mine, but I'm going to have our, our number one guest introduce number two guests. And you've probably have heard uh, our number one guest uh, on the old capital podcast before he kind of every once in a while he, he steps in and, and helps us. Uh, Mr. Lane Bean is on the, on the podcast. And if you know, Lane, you know that uh, 28 years with the air force, in uh, those pictures behind Lane over his shoulder was the equipment that he used to fly. So uh, not only does he fly or has flown jets before, but he is an expert in multifamily ownership and management and all kinds of things that go along with apartments. And so we're excited to have Lane on because Lane has a great perspective of what uh, it takes to underwrite transactions and actually uh, buy uh, properties, uh, operate properties, and sell properties. So he's a, he's a wealth of information. And so, Lane, I'm going to throw it over to you just real quick to introduce kind of our, our special guest who's on the podcast today. Uh, who's that? Thank you, Paul. Thank you, JC, for the opportunity to come and speak to your audience. I'm excited because I feel like we have a lot of value to share with the audience uh, across the country with with Old Capital and with uh, JC, your audience and Spencer's audience as well. You know, it's such a challenge to see so many deals, especially in today's market that are trading at high value. And uh, you have so many, sometimes it's hard to find the ones that are really valuable and worth your time to pursue. Spencer, I really enjoy our friendship association, but more than that, I benefit from your expertise. And I'm just so thankful that you've taken 
the time to share your knowledge with, uh, with us today and then also with JC's audience, Paul's audience, my audience, and your audience. And I believe that if you can dig in here, listeners, and listen to what Spencer's connect with he, myself, Paul, or JC, you're really going to get some good benefit and you will be able to make better decisions in 2020 about your investments because there's going to be a lot of great opportunity. Spencer, thank you, sir. Over to you for any comments that I missed. Yeah. You know, Lane, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, JC, Paul uh, as well. Uh, this is a treat for me. Uh, most of the time, my interactions with our audience and, and, and others who are interested in real estate come in an audio format. And so the video is new and fun for me. Uh, and this is a passion that I have, both real estate and, and educating uh, around real estate analysis. I love to spend time in Excel. And so anytime I can uh, share that with others, it's, it's a, a true pleasure. So thank you for having me on. Well, we, we, are, we are excited to have you on, Spencer. And you know, uh, here at the show, we're, we're big believers in talking to the experts. And you're definitely an acknowledged expert in the side of underwriting. So let's get right down to brass taxes here. Let's talk about it. So you know, again, we've got, it, we've, we've got lots of deals we're seeing out there. And we want to know how we can get down to the nitty gritty of which properties we should spend some time on. So let's talk about those three easy steps on how people can identify whether a property makes financial sense to look into it further or whether it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today is uh, call it back of the napkin analysis. Uh, and uh, we're specifically honing in on value at apartment because I think uh, that that's going to be most appealing to the audience. But this sort of analysis you can really do with any property type in real estate. Uh, it, it applies to uh, all investment strategies, uh, everything from core down to development. Uh, and in this case, we're talking again, value add, when, which when I say value add, it means an existing property, but there's something about it that uh, is underperforming. And uh, we as a potential new acquirer of that property have something that will improve the operation of the property. And, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to, we're going to hone in on value-add uh, multifamily. And when I say three steps of this kind of back of the napkin, what do you care about when you're looking at, from a financial standpoint, when you're looking at a, a potential new property? Well, uh, you, you care if the, the return uh, is significant enough to, over, uh, to, to offset the risk that's involved, right? So that's the first question. Second question is, can you raise the debt capital to make this happen? Uh, and then the third question is, can you raise the equity capital to make this happen? And, and Lane's going to speak to raising the capital, raising capital. Uh, and Paul, I believe, will chime in on uh, the debt piece and, and offer some insights. I'm going to talk about that risk versus return uh, element and how to, again, on the back of, of a napkin, do that first pass underwriting to, to confirm whether a deal is worth doing. Let me make one other point. Uh, and this was brought up. It was alluded to. You will, you should look at dozens of deals before you do your first. Uh, that's just the nature of this. It's a sifting process. Uh, part of that analysis is financial. Most of it is not. So we're just touching on the financial piece today, but there's a lot of, of that sifting that comes down to um, qualitative aspects of the property or some unique skill set that you and your firm have or don't have. 
but today, yeah, let's, let's talk about just simply all else being e equal. Let's look at the financials. Does the deal make sense or not? Uh, and so I, 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 what I would like to do is share my screen and uh, start in Excel, Microsoft Excel. It's not the, the most exciting topic uh, <laughs> to hang out in Excel for 25 minutes. Uh, but let me show you how I look at the, the first pass of a deal and, and whether a value-add apartment deal meets that financial criteria or not. So you can see I have here just a, a basic Excel model. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the in-place cash flow of a hypothetical opportunity and then the potential cash flow after doing something to the property that improves it, okay? And, and so when I say in place, generally that means the last 12 months of operation. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you only have three months worth of data, and so uh, we do what's called an annualized T3, trailing three months. But in this case, I have here in column G the last 12 months of operation of, of this hypothetical deal. And then off here, here to the right here, I have what I call my stabilized pro forma. And that's me looking at what I think each of these line items could be today if the changes that I would like to make are successful. Now, in, in terms of this hypothetical deal, it's a 135-unit, uh, 1980s-built garden-style apartment project in Fort Worth, Texas. Again, hypothetical. Uh, and over the last few years, management has had a hard time maintaining occupancy. And so you'll see here in row six, in 2017, occupancy was 87%. That means of every 100 units, only 87 were occupied on average over the year. And in 2018, that dropped to 83. And over the last 12 months, and here we stand February 2020, so this is through January 2020, the properties averaged an occupancy of 76%. So something's going on there. And in our research, just a first pass, it, we believe it's a management issue. It's not necessarily a market issue. Submarket vacancy is sub 5%. It's got to be management, right? That's our hypothesis. And so we look at this, again, column G, and we see these line items. And I'm not going to get into these line items in depth on this conversation because we don't have time. But there's something that each one of these line items tell us about the property. And then we have, uh, from our own expertise, from the information that the brokerage community is sharing with us, uh, from past deals that we've looked at, we have an idea of where these line items should be. Okay? And so just quickly, I'm going to run through my stabilized pro forma. And, and I'm essentially going to calculate what I think the income should be. And again, this is as if today, let's imagine that I could snap my fingers and this property overnight, not even overnight, in an instant would be where it should be, where we believe the market, if this property was marketed well, was at the right condition, should be today. And then we're going to compare that in place versus where it should be. And that delta is going to tell us whether this is worth doing or not. Okay, so the first question is market rent. Well, this one's simple. A market rent is what it is. And in this line item, how, how the in-place works is you've got market rent. The assumption here is that the property is renting at market rate. 
However, it's just significantly under leased. And so we simply set our market rent equal to that. Now, there is no actual vacancy in, our, in this hypothetical. Uh, that's gonna happen here down in our uh, vacancy and credit loss line. So I'm just gonna leave that empty. I'm also gonna assume that bad debt, that's when we can't collect on uh, rent, is also going to be in my vacancy and credit loss. So I end my total rental income as if the property were 100% leased, okay? Then I move into other income. And, and these are some areas where there are value add opportunities. I'm not gonna get into that today because again, for, for the, the sake of time, but we're going to assume that each one of these line items were based on a 100% leased building. Okay, so if I say $25,707 in utility reimbursement based on a 76% building, 100% would be taking that 25,707 and dividing it by the occupancy level that it was at at the end of the year, right? 33,000, and then I'll just copy these down for my other line items. But essentially what we're doing, we call this grossing up. We are grossing up each one of these line items and saying, we believe that this is real, it's just underperforming because of the occupancy of the building, and so therefore we, le we gross this up to the equivalent of a fully leased building. And that gets me to other income, if this building was 100% leased, 71,541, we add that together to my total rental income and we get a gross potential income of 1,634,841. And notice how that compares to the gross potential income of the in place. Right, there's 400,000, a little bit more than 400,000 of potential income here that's being missed out because of some deficiency with the property. But however, no property runs at 100% occupancy. And in fact, uh, if you talk to seasoned operators, they'll tell you you shouldn't run a property 100% occupancy. It means that you're not pushing rents hard enough. And so we're going to assume some vacancy amount. And so I'm just gonna say, you know, 6% vacancy and credit loss. And in my mind, I think, okay, 5% vacancy plus 1% credit loss, that's this bad debt that you see in our actual numbers in the past. And so I just simply go equals, negative, take my gross potential income and multiply that by 6%. That's a vacancy and credit loss of 98,000. So I deduct that from my gross potential income and I get an effective gross income of 1,536,750. So I think that this is the potential and income that this property if it was running as it should, uh, based on my experience, based on how comparable properties that are running, we call it stabilized, that are fully stabilized, that's my, my effective gross income. Then I get into operating expenses, and, and in this case, again, I'm, I'm simplifying it. I'm going to assume that each one of these line items is, is what it should be. Now, uh, our assumption here, but and, and in practice, you would actually look at each one of these line items and say, does, does this match up to my experience? Uh, and I'll, I'll do a little bit of that here, but for the most part, we're going to assume that this is about right. So um, I look here, you know, uh, repair and maintenance, let's say $200 a unit per year. What do we have, 135 units? Uh, for contract services, I'm going to say, I don't know, 500 a unit. And I guess I'm on, I'm quite a bit under where it's been operating, but some of this is, so again, this is me looking at it, how it should be operating based on my experiences. And 
And I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but each one of these line items then must be supported by something that you have. We generally comps or uh, you know your, your experience in previous properties, etc. Uh, utilities here. Let's assume our utilities at 600 a unit. Uh, let's assume our advertising at 200 a unit. Uh, let's assume our general administration at uh, 400 a unit. Uh, payroll at We'll use our T12. Uh, management fee, we're going to assume, uh, let's say, 4% of effective gross income. And that's based on you know, what, what we think the, the, the a property management firm would charge us. Uh, insurance, we'll say it's 275 a unit. And then taxes, and we'll do this in a second, we're going to solve for a 2.25% mill rate. And that's based on researching. We know that the taxing authority in this jurisdiction charges a 2.25% mill rate uh, on assessed value. And so we're going to back into that tax number here in a moment. But for now, let's just put it 250000 roughly. Uh, so that gets us to a net operating income, which is effective gross income minus all of those total operating expenses of 793. You notice it's a significant jump from what it is doing in place. The last thing I like to do here, and this is specific to multifamily, uh, I'll add a, a capital reserve. In this case, I'll say 300, and I get a cash flow from operations. And uh, if you're if you're familiar with some of these things, generally you're you're capping. I mean, you're dividing your net operating income by a capitalization rate or a cap rate. Uh, in this case, I like to cap what I call cash flow from operations or a net operating income line inclusive of capital reserve. And so that gives me a cash flow from operations of 753088. All right. And so the, the question is, what is this property worth? Well, in our experience, these type of stabilized 1980s built garden style apartments that are fully stabilized, operating. You know, fully leased, and by the way, this, I should say, put this here. This is a 94% occupied hypothetical. We come down here, we're assuming that this would sell for a 6.5% cap rate, okay? That means that this property, when we take that cash flow from operation, we divide it by our cap rate, is worth, if it was fully occupied, 11.5 million. Now, what's interesting is the asking price for this is $10.5 million. And so there's a million dollars of, of value-add opportunity here. And so how do we determine if this deal is worth doing? Well, we can't just simply say, oh, a million's enough. I mean, we could put our finger in the air all day long. Uh, so a million may or may not be enough. So what I like to do is I like to compare the spread between what, what we call yield on cost or return, of, return on cost to market cap rates. And so we do that by taking the cash flow from operation, we divide that by whatever cost, the acquisition cost or, or the project cost if you, have to put, uh, if you have to put money into the property in order to get it to the stabilized state. We take our cash flow from operation, we divide it by our acquisition cost and we get a yield on cost. And then I, div I subtract out market cap rate or in other words, I compare the difference between these two values and I get what we call investment spread or on the development side, development spread. So there is 67 basis points 
of premium in this deal that is meant to cover the risk that we're taking by buying a underleased property. And you'll then, as you analyze more and more and more of these, right? Imagine you do a hundred of these. Uh, if, if they're all exactly the same and you're simply modeling to this investment spread, you'll then get rules of thumb. You'll say, okay, we'll only consider a deal if there's at least 50 basis points of spread. Well, here we have 67, and therefore, this would be something we'd spend more time on. Yeah, Spencer, that is fantastic analysis and something that uh, you went through that over, over uh, 10 minutes, but really um, that can probably be done and those assumptions can be made in, um, in five minutes or less once you get familiar with Excel and familiar with this. And then uh, quantifying each of those investments with that investment and development spread is a really fantastic and scientific way to make some pretty quick decisions. And so I thought that was very, very helpful. And this would be a great tool. I think some great information that Spencer has pushed over for you to take a look at. Um, now I know uh, Spencer's full-time gig uh, is he's a gatekeeper on a $45 billion real estate group and he has a wealth of information. So his side hustle is putting this stuff together. So you're getting information from an expert that he uses in his day-to-day -day business that he's kind of giving to you. And I know Lane, I think in the future, you and Spencer are kind of maybe going to do some teaching, some educational pieces about how to use some of these spreadsheets to help people. Now, now, now it's just not, um, you know, people that are buying their transactions as, you know, leads, but it's also people that are maybe passive investors that want to kind of see what the numbers are behind and they want to type all this stuff up so they can actually do the numbers. Are you guys going to be doing maybe a training session coming up here in the future? And have you guys picked a date yet? We haven't picked a date yet, Paul. We're still working on those details and formulating. The challenge of this is there's just so much information that we're trying to bracket it correctly so that you get the right depth of knowledge uh, at the right point. So we're still working on that, but hopefully we'll be able to provide that a little bit later. Maybe you can do it over a period of maybe seven or eight hours of great information, go step one all the way to step eight or nine. So, But you're absolutely correct. There is tremendous amount of information that Spencer has that if you're just kind of a general practitioner that you want to become an expert in multifamily, Spencer definitely has the tools to help you uh, get that, that done. JC, what's going on? Well, Polly, uh, I really appreciated today's subject matter. Um, and and I, I really uh, think that Spencer's got some great uh, high level knowledge here and some detailed information on how you guys can quickly evaluate properties. Um, you know, multifamily property group, we've been helping uh, investors make smart investment decisions on the multifamily side for the last 13, 14 years. And, um, you know, part of the reason we started this show, Paul, is because we just like to help people with expert information that they can apply uh, to their investment strategies and, and make smart investments. So if anybody out there ever has any questions and they'd like to, uh, you know, get a 15 minute free consultation going with my company and myself, they can just go to our website at multifamilypropertygroup.com. Again, that's multifamilypropertygroup.com. Go to the contact us page and just send, send us a note and request a 15 minute consultation and we would be happy to meet and see how we can help you out. Polly. Sounds great.
So JC is an operator of multifamily properties. Again, I would thoroughly, if you're thinking about getting the multifamily, he's the guy you want to spend some time with to understand a little bit about his business and what they do. Lane is an operator of multifamily properties too. Uh, and uh, he is just doing gangbusters uh, here in the central Texas area. And then Spencer, um, you know, he, he's the guy who's the, the guy behind the screen that helps you put all the numbers together with a mathematics uh, brain. So he does the numbers, he helps you understand the numbers and he kind of goes through the Excel reports to help you frame up if this is a good deal or not. So I think that's very important. So Spencer, thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate that. We look forward to hearing from you again. Uh, Lane, thanks for putting all this together. We look forward to hearing you back on the Old Capital Podcast shortly. And again, to my partner in this podcast and friend, JC Castile, always a pleasure. Again, I'm Paul Peebles. Have a great day.